Cheap Dis Meridian returned from my kitchens quickly, mint leaves in hand, and she gave them to me. I must admit that at this point, I was quite enthralled by the events and put up no resistance to continuing to observe Thorn and his allies. So I resumed the ritual, and once again gazed at the images before us. Thorn and Duncan appeared to be considering whether to reunite with Etni or search the town for a source of the nightmares. However, the decision was made for them when Duncan noticed something and was almost drawn to the well. But what could have drawn him, I could not say, but the two peered over the edge. Meanwhile, Etni slept, besides King Nape and Twoof. Her sleep was fretful and pained. I, I wished I could wake the poor girl or ease her mind somehow, but simultaneously, Duncan and Thorn decided to descend into the well for some unknown reason. It was the brewery's well, if I'm not mistaken. Thorn went first, Duncan bracing him with a rope. The well opened into a cavern below the town with a deep black lake and a shore. Thorn decided to drop into the water, and as he called up to Duncan, a miscommunication occurred and he accidentally sent Duncan away to get Etni, which left Thorn alone in the dark. Duncan quickly arrived in Nape's longhouse and found the three sleepers. He discovered that while Etni and Nape's sleep was pained, Twoof, the halfling assistant, slept soundly. The paladin moved to wake Etni, who came to with a start and a hangover. The pair then decided to wake Nape as well, who also reported drinking ale just before going to sleep. The paladin and the emulator then turned their attention to Halfling, who it was clear they suspected of wrongdoing. At this point, Thorn, in the well, swam to the cavern's shore, and after surfacing, he quickly began exhibiting signs of panic. I noted this to the chiefess, who appeared concerned, and she noted to me that the shadows on the walls moved abnormally, as if they were moving of their own volition, which struck me as odd, but vaguely familiar, and I went to my library to collect a scroll that might help me discover the, the, the source of this. Meanwhile, Duncan had been relaying his suspicions about the ale being tainted to Etni, which was a clever theory in my own opinion, and one that ended up being true. He also told her of Thorn's predicament. Fearing that their suspect would escape, Duncan ordered King Nape to guard Twoof. The king, trusting his longtime assistant over these new people he had only met not even a day before, the king resisted this request and Duncan resorted to using magic of some kind, an enchantment perhaps, to compel him to do as he asked. After achieving their goal, and with Twoof secured, the pair rushed off to the center of Napeville to rescue Thorn, who was clearly panicking in that moment. I must admit that this part was difficult to watch for both myself and the chiefess. Thorn was clearly being affected by the foul creature. A fearmonger is what I had discovered from my scroll. I believe it was traumatizing him and using his fear as food. Thorne began talking aloud to himself, trying desperately to give himself some, some confidence, to reassure himself that everything was all right. I looked at the chiefess as this was happening, and I heard her say, mostly to herself, that she was the one that had taught Thorne this trick when they were young. Suddenly, though, as if a moment of clarity had come to him, Thorne struck the water with magic, illuminating the whole cavern. What Thorn and I saw in the light in that dark well caused both of us to cry aloud, even myself being thousands of leagues away. The fearmonger had taken the form of an undead that I had accidentally created through a botched ritual years earlier when Thorn and I were children. It was a half-orcish corpse 
that I had accidentally combined with a centipede. Thorn had saved me from it back in the day, though one in the well had was shadowy in, in appearance and a, and a slightly insubstantial quality to it, and it was twice, maybe four times the size in, of, of the original and towered above Thorn. I think being able to see that creature, horrifying or not, strengthened Thorn's resolve as the panic seemed to leave him for a moment. With Twoof secured, Etni and Duncan rushed to the well and descended into the dark to help their friend. The three reunited on the cavern's shore, and after a brief discussion of what had occurred, they stood back to back, each of them providing a light that spilled out into the darkness to be back the creature. Thorn struck at the monster first with a flash of purple. Duncan followed quickly, speaking an oath to slay the creature, causing a surge of gold and emerald light to spill from his sword as he cut through the beast. Etni then followed the pair with her flames that enveloped it. Alas, the creature did not perish from their assault and returned their violence with its own in kind, assaulting the trio's minds. Both Thorn and Etni dropped to their knees in horror at this, but Duncan stood tall through the assault of black magic. I could not help but admire the paladin's strength, though I believe their faith to be too narrow philosophically. None can argue with the power that that order brings with it. Duncan cut an awe-inspiring figure, to be sure. As he stood alone, holding back the darkness, Thorn cried out, forcing the creature from his mind, clearly, and struck a final blow to the fearmonger by casting a lightning bolt that left an echo of thunder in the cavern. And it left a grievous wound upon him as well. His right arm, it was covered in lacerations and burns, self-inflicted ones. Chieftess Meridian immediately asked what had happened to Thorn's arm. I explained to her that he used more magical energy than his body could handle, and it recoiled into his arm. She looked concerned, and to relieve her fears, I told her that he should make a full recovery, assuming he gets immediate bed rest and refrain from using magic for a few days. This seemed to calm her, and we continued watching the trio. After calming down, they left the well and immediately went to interrogate Twoof, who, as it turned out, couldn't stand up to questioning it at all, and admitted to using the fearmonger to poison the brewery's ale to get revenge on King Nape in the town for petty grievances such as calling him mean nicknames for, for years and undervaluing him, as he put it. It is hard to understand what will cause a person to snap, I suppose, but even I thought, what a petty and evil man. Nape would not stand for it, and resolved to hang Twoof that very morning. Duncan presided over the execution, giving the halfling his last rites. Nape, afterwards, ignoring the solemnity of the situation like an uncouth barbarian, then requested the trio investigate the, the appearance of a nearby tower. Duncan agreed to look into it. In that moment, I feel like it was mostly to get Nape off his back. But he did agree to look into the matter, and then joined Etni in finding Thorn, who was resting under a tree outside of town. At this point, I had realized how long the chief design had been scrying, and I am glad to say that I was finally able to put my foot down and stop this total invasion of privacy. I implored the chieftess to return home to her spouse, nearly pushing her out the door with my promises of secrecy. After she left, I noted how ill-advised her and I's actions were, and hoped that this lapse in judgment was singular on both of our parts. Especially mine. I do regret this. After cleaning my abode, I sat and made this record. It is now morning of the 18th day of autumn. Dawn is rising soon, and I must go check on the health of the triplets and deal with that muskox corpse.
Postscript. 22nd day of autumn. For the last few days, Chieftus Meridian has been pestering me to reach out to Thorn directly through magic. It has taken all of my effort to resist up until this point, but I am relenting and will do as she asks. Despite my misgivings, she is my chieftess after all. Postscript, 25th day of autumn. I've received no reply from Thorn, who should be able to respond via his own rituals. However, I believe he may have noticed our intrusions earlier and has blocked out scrying and magical communications. I believe that this is in his, the chieftess's, and my own best interest, and I intend to let this issue finally be put to rest.